gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey friends, welcome to episode 34 of the Boldly Going Podcast. We've got another great one for you, as always. Uh, today's episode is with our friends at uh, Cigar City Management slash Cigar City Radio. Uh, this is a special one too. Episode 34 is a really special one because not only uh, do we have Jason and Randy from Cigar City Radio slash Cigar City Management uh, on this episode of Boldly Going, but uh, it's a dual release. It is a uh, joint effort collaboration of... We're releasing uh, the Boldly Going episode 34 today uh, with them. And then also today, same time, coming at you today on their podcast, Cigar City Radio, is episode 38 with me. So we basically uh, just turned the microphone around and uh, we did an interview. They did an interview with me for their podcast on Cigar City Radio. And then uh, we turned it around and I interviewed them for the Boldly Going podcast. So it's a dual release today. So I want to encourage you, uh, uh, once you're done listening to this, actually don't even wait. Don't even wait to listen to this. Um, you should immediately go and download that episode as well. Not because you should listen to what I have to say on their podcast, just because you should definitely up their metrics. Go download it. You don't have to listen to the episode. Go download it and uh, so that they get all all the the goodness out of that and just ignore what I have to say and listen to this one and get all the brilliance of them because I did a lot of the talking on their episode. They did most of the talking on this episode with me asking questions. You definitely want to hear more from them, so listen to this one because uh, – actually listen to this one because they're brilliant. They're so great. They're such good dudes. I'm really excited to have them on. Uh, their episode – the name of this episode is the actual uh, theme of their management company, that music should be good. And – I know that sounds very simple and plain, and of course music should be good, but that is a that is a bigger statement than just uh, the quality of the music should be good or it should be a good sound. It's a bigger statement. There is something. There's a deeper meaning to that. There's something uh, bigger to that for them. So uh, that they talk about in this episode a little bit. So music should be good in uh, many ways. Uh, so jump into the episode, listen to them, listen to talk about that, listen to talk about what they do. Uh, with Scar- Cigar City Management, what they do with Cigar City Radio, uh, what they're doing to try to help artists uh, in the United States and really around the world uh, be represented the way they should and do good things in the world as well with their music. So uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff. They're great. They're brilliant. Uh, Randy is uh, he's in law school. He's about to take, it, take the bar. And uh, Jason is a brilliant accountant. He's a numbers guy. So uh, we kind of are all over the map in this episode. It's great. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Before we jump into it, uh, let me remind you, definitely go follow them at uh, Cigar City Radio on the social medias and then also uh, their management company, Cigar City uh, Management. And I believe it's at Cigar City MGMT. Don't quote me on that, but uh, just search Cigar City Management uh, in whatever social media. It'll come up. Uh, and go listen to the artists that they represent. They've got some brilliant artists uh, on their roster with some great music. So please go listen to them. And, uh, yeah, go follow them. Go check out their website. Go support them. Support what they're doing. Uh, great, great guys. 
Uh, also, got to uh, got to remind you, as always, we are part of the State Lines Podcast Network. Go check out state-lines.com. Go download some other episodes of other uh, podcasts, articles, all kinds of things on that on that website. Go check it out. Go follow State Lines on uh, Instagram at State Lines, on Twitter uh, at Tweet State Lines. Uh, go go follow them. They're great, uh, wonderful network. Great people involved in that. And then, as always, uh, and this fits with the theme of this episode, uh, I want to encourage you to get involved in your community. Do something to give back. Uh, do good in the world because uh, I am a big believer that good always trumps the bad. And uh, because hope is uh, hope's like a drug. Hope is a uh, hope is addictive. And when we do things that give hope to people. Uh, that is addictive. We want to do more, and those people in turn want to do it as well. So please go do something in the world. Uh, let me encourage you to get involved with my organization, uh, what I do at, at Current Initiatives. We do several initiatives around the country. We'd love for you to be involved with. Uh, go follow us online or on social media at Engage Current. Uh, go to engagecurrent.org. You can uh, find out what we do there. Get involved, and uh, and then go support great music like uh, Cigar City Radio, what they're doing, and Cigar City Management, the artists they're doing, because they are pushing people to do good in the world as well. All right, here we go. Let's jump into it. Uh, the brilliance, uh, the wonderful guys, Jason and Randy from Cigar City Management slash Cigar City Radio. Episode 34, music should be good, and also go listen to their their episode that's out today as well, episode 38 with me from Cigar City Radio, and uh, go push it out to your friends. Push this one out to your friends. Push theirs out to your friends. Uh, support what they're doing in a big, bad way. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being awesome. And here we go, episode 34 with Cigar City Radio slash management. Good on you. Have fun. Have fun with that. <laughs> when do you take the bar? Uh, the end of July. End of July. All right. So, yeah. Hopefully, uh, that'll be good news. At the Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully, I'll only need to take one yeah. one time. Yeah. Well, and I won't hear about it till like I don't. I don't think they tell you till like October or September. September. Why does it take so long? Because most of it, so much of it is handwritten. They gotta read it, and like three judges have to read it. It's a whole holy crap. Yeah, it's such a nope. Yeah, yeah. Don't, no, thank you. Don't want to get involved yeah. in that. Ever. I don't like. I don't like anything about it. <laughs> so, yeah. You chose this. Just remember that. I, I know. You chose this I know. Course. It was a. It was a bad decision. I actually. That's one of my dreams. Is uh, when, whenever I'm a I'm a billionaire, which will happen eventually, I'm sure. You know, probably probably (laughs) trillionaire. Well, you're becoming an attorney. Of course, course, of course. I'm going to be a billionaire. But once I'm a billionaire, I'm going to set up a foundation for kids who were, you know, if they're, they just graduated college and say they have an idea, some kind of passion project that they want to work on, but they're thinking about going to law school, I will give them like whatever money they need to fund their project so that they don't divert them from law school. Exactly. <laughs> as few people that that go to law school as possible, the like the better we are. We need we need a lot less lawyers. Like there's way too many lawyers, way too many people go to law school. There's way too many law schools, you mm-hmm. know, that are just 
then that's I don't know if that's the problem. You know. Yeah. That's why like literally the the value of a legal education is is nothing now because there's a bajillion attorneys out there all going to whatever you know bullshit school and getting a, getting a degree, but you know there's no jobs out there for them. Most right. of the, most of the people that I know from my law school, which is a pretty good school. Um, like aren't working, you know, or aren't working in the legal profession, right. which is in, which is amazing, you know. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't have the same uh, prestige or whatever that it used to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, unless you go to like Harvard Law or Yale Law or something, I mean, obviously that's still well, that offers prestigious. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing. I don't know. Sure. I don't know many Yale Law graduates that are starving for work, but outside of the top, you know. 12 to 13 schools. I feel like most of them still, still work at Yale and Harvard. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, you just do research. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of the things that a lot of law schools have been doing to, like, pad their employment numbers is they'll hire students that are out of work, like, mm-hmm. to just, you know, work around the office or whatever, and then they'll consider that, okay, this person's employed, so for our, uh, for our numbers, we'll consider that an employed student after graduation. And that's yeah. like, that's garbage. But anyway, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to spend this whole time ranting about yeah, no, I'm, how I'm, shitty law well, school no, is. <laughs> so uh, no, I'm fascinated by it. I do have a question though. Yeah. Like Harvard Law Review, which is basically a paper. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's a journal. Yeah. Journal. That's right. They're, so they're all attorneys, mm-hmm. right? They typically or right? students. A lot of or students. students right? Okay. But is that a job? Like that's someone's job that they? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess that's you know that's a legitimate job because you're doing you know legitimate legal research and contributing in some way. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, that's that's somebody. You know, there's people out there that are really into legal research and legal papers. I was not one of those people. So it's too I, much studying. Yeah. yeah, it's too much studying, and uh, you know, just writing something that only other lawyers are going to read is just weird to me. I don't, I, don't know you, I don't know how you can get excited about that. No, I can't. True. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're talking about law. It's gonna. It plays into what we're here to talk about. Yeah. So it it works. So here with Jason and Randy from Cigar City Management first or Radio first. I don't know. Management first. Management first. Management yeah. first. Radio. Give me the rundown. I mean, if people know about Cigar City Management or they might know about Radio, what's the? Give me the big picture of what. Well, we're we always say that we're management first, like a hundred percent. There's a lot of companies out there where they, and when we say management, like because a lot of people don't know us that are listening to this, but we manage musicians and bands and artists, um, and a lot of companies that do artist or band management, they also do PR or they're also a record label or they also do booking, you know. And we kind of have a little bit of a hand in those aspects of the industry, mm-hmm. obviously, but. Where our main focus is is management and helping an artist develop and grow and you know turn their hobby into something that's a sustainable career, um, yeah. And that's what we do first and foremost. And then from that, uh, we've I've always wanted to do a podcast. I don't know about Jason. I've always wanted to do audio production. That is true. Yeah, that's true. That's how it panned out. But yeah, I always wanted to do a podcast. I've been listening to podcasts for probably a decade now. The first podcast I ever listened to was uh, the WDW radio show, the Walt Disney World radio show by Lou, wow. by Lou Mangello, who is an awesome guy, a good friend of mine now, but um, he was a, uh, I would listen to his podcast on my way to Disney World. <laughs> Every time I would go there and get hyped up on like new rides <laughs> and you know, he would interview Imagineers and stuff and I thought it was great. 
Oh, uh, that's fascinating. It's a great, yeah, he's been doing it for, you know, a long time, still doing the show. They do, like, a boat cruise with all the podcast listeners and stuff, so. What? He was a, definitely a big inspiration for, like, all right, this is a great way to build a community around your podcast, you know? Yeah. I would go to meetups and stuff to, like, meet other people that listen to his podcast, you know? So, I, that was always really cool, but that was my first podcast, and then I always wanted to do our own show, um, but just, you know, didn't have the right, uh, I guess the right idea or the right premise for it until we started getting into management. Um, and then after a little while, we just realized we have all these connections now with other managers and booking agents and PR people that now we, we have access to a, you know, a wide range of potential guests and bands that are coming through town that we can talk to. Yeah, and they're uh, artists, and artists are just generally fascinating people. So yeah, there's yeah. endless stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you're literally talking about, you know, we're, we're not interviewing like Aerosmith or anybody, so most of these people that we talk to are touring musicians that spend, you know, 300 days of the year on the road that like don't really have a permanent address. Uh-huh. You know? So they're, yeah, they always have amazing stories because it's a life that not very many people get to get to lead you know? yeah um and the and and that's the the real the real valuable thing about the podcast um for me is that we get to really hear people's stories and you know play some role in you know in fans learning about what it's like to be this artist behind the scenes you know i'd rather i'd rather talk about you know, like with junior boys we talked about Canadian pro wrestling and you know with bands talk about like <laughs> video games and stuff like that's what I'd rather hear about than just talking about the new album or whatever although right. obviously we talk about that kind of stuff too sure you know yeah. the music's important but I like to fi- figure out who these people are outside of the music yeah and sometimes we've I don't, I'm not going to name any names but sometimes we learn that we don't really like those people outside <laughs> of music <laughs> like after I'm not surprised yeah yeah and that, but that's rare. I think a lot of the people that come on the show um, are pretty cool. I think that's one of the hardest parts is just getting people onto the show. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because these, you know, they're this is they're working. You know, they're on the road, mm-hmm. they're touring, they have a show that night, and that's when we interview them is you know a few hours before the show. So I can understand okay. when somebody, you know, they're they're too busy to come on the show, or they they're not in the right mindset. They don't want to sit down and talk to some random strangers for a half hour. Like I get that. Yeah. Um, so generally the people that come on the show come on the show because they want to and they're appreciative of it and you know they they want they want to tell their story just as much as we want to hear it so usually we got we have a good rapport with the guests yeah um, how, so how do you how do you get in because they're obviously not people that you represent yeah that you manage how do you get involved in actually interviewing those those artists well, like I said, most of the artists that we interview are touring musicians that are coming through town, so we keep an eye on the touring schedule. Um, we get a lot of help from Ray Roa, Creative Loafing, with that. It's, I follow his, you know, this week in, in Tampa, mm-hmm. or tonight, mm-hmm. tonight in Tampa, or whatever, you know, right. see what bands are coming through, and uh, we just we start with their publicists, you know, talk to them, and... Um, ask them if the band's down to do the interview and now that we've been doing it for a little while and we've gotten to know a lot of the publicists you realize the the music industry is a very small world especially at the, the higher up you go the less people are involved right you know so it's a lot of the same publicists for a lot of the artists that are coming through so they now they know our show and it we're I'm, it's i'm thankful that like now we get 
publicists or managers hitting us up and telling and saying, "Hey, we have this band coming to town in a month. Would you would you want to do the interview?" Oh, that's cool. You know, so that is really cool. Now we we have people coming to us, so it's less. You know, now we're only reaching out if like there's something we really, really want to try to get on the show. For the most part, we have a pretty steady stream of of guests that are that are wanting to come on. Yeah. Know? So do you do like all levels of? Let's say Aerosmith was in town. Yeah. Would you Would you try? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We have. We have tried. You know, I, I always joke that the politest no we've gotten was from the band. Yes. <laughs> they said, the truth. Yeah, they said a very nice no. We're we're not going to do it, you know. But here's a copy of our new album. Thank you for liking yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I never thought about that. What are, are you going to name your band? Yes. You got to say yes to it. You got to say yes to everything. <laughs> so it was just a funny text to send to Jason. Like, yeah, yes said no, man. <laughs> yes said no. Uh, you get a great T-shirt. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd love to, uh, you know, I'd love to sit down with Aerosmith or whoever's interested. Yeah. You know? um, and hopefully we'll get to the point where that's more of a possibility, you know. Yeah. So. What's your, what, how did you guys get into this? I mean, obviously, you're going to law school, mm-hmm. and we were just talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do audio, you like audio engineering, so how did you end up into managing, like doing a management company? Should I take this? Well, we we can take turns. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, it was while I was in law school, and uh, law school does a very good job of helping you figure out things that you would do in life besides going to law school. That's, okay. You know, me and my friends would talk a lot about like, oh man, if I wasn't in law school, I would be doing this right now, or I would be doing that. And what I always wanted to do was be in the music industry. Like before I went to law school, and when we were in college and high school. Um, Jason and I used to play in a band together, in a couple bands together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're both musicians, okay. you know, uh, and got to see on a very small scale what it was, what life as a band was like, and kind of you know learned a little bit about the needs and interests of a touring band or of a you know up and coming band. And then when I got to law school, I was learning all these skills about you know like negotiating and and mediating and learning more about how how businesses should run and regulate regulatory type stuff and but while I was doing that I was always learning more about the music industry and learning more about the music industry on a more professional level mm-hmm. and it it just got to the point where <coughs> we realized like hey you know like I have these skills and Jason was doing accounting and finance mm-hmm. stuff at the time mm-hmm. so Jason has these other skills that run very well with my skills because I hate numbers. <laughs> I don't. I don't do numbers at all. I don't do. I don't math. I have a stupid obsession with him. Yeah, he's one of those. Jason's one of those weirdos that likes to do math. <laughs> so well, weird. Accounting to me is the same level of trying to be a lawyer. Like law school and accounting are the two. The I find like an intrinsic difference between accounting and law because with law, uh, and this is not said about all lawyers. There's always trying to find a way to make certain things work for them mm-hmm. and I was worried about that with my first accounting class but the first thing that the teacher said when she got in front of the class was there is no imagination in accounting there is right and wrong uh, use a calculator to add 2 plus 2 so get that in your head before you even start interesting so yeah. there's there's no way in accounting for you to 
to imagine your way to being right. You know, you are yeah. right or you are wrong, yeah. and there's no in between. Yet somehow they do it all the time. Of course, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's also because of uh, of different precedents that are set within tax law. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so that that dictates a little bit about what it happens to. Yeah. But as far as uh, starting Cigar City Management. Like Randy said, we were in bands together for a while in high school and a little bit in college. Um, and when Randy went to law school, I really didn't have anyone to play instruments with anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I had stopped teaching guitar at that time, so I had less and less reason to play instruments. When Randy contacted me about potentially starting Cigar City Management, uh, I said absolutely because there was another chance to be imaginative in some way mm-hmm. and to be involved in in a creative process. So I hopped on board and it's it's been that. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of the cool thing is we get to creatively help other people be creative. Because yeah. Yeah. at the end of the day, our job is to make sure that the musicians that we work with can keep being, being musicians for as long as they possibly can. You know? Yeah. You know, which is a yeah, very so I guess explain a little bit, like, if for people that aren't in the music industry, don't understand the all the differences in roles, I guess yeah. you could say. Like, if you watch, like, I just watched the, the Tupac movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. How was that? That was great. Oh, I guess. Uh, Tupac's so. well, I'd like, Tupac was my, was my rapper when I was yeah. growing up. The best. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's all, so, and you, it's like the age-old story about musicians. Like, you see all the, they've got a publicist, they've got a manager, mm-hmm. they've got a booking agent, they've got all these, they've got a label. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're on the outside, you're not really in that industry, you don't really know what any of those people actually do. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like the artist doesn't actually know what those that's, that's true. do. That's I feel true. like sometimes the people that are doing those roles don't know what they're, what they're true. supposed yeah. to be doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. Um, is As an artist, you end up with all these people that are in your life doing various things for you, which is great and needed because there's so many very specialized things in mm-hmm. the music industry. Um, you know, you got to have a good publisher to make sure that they're collecting the right royalties, and mm-hmm. uh, you got to have you know your label, your label rep, your booking agent, you know, your publicist, all that. Um, but as managers, I think part of our job is to um, work with all of those people, you know, for the artist, so that the artist isn't um, contacting their publicist about this, and then contacting their booking agent about that, and then doing this other thing while they're on the road. You right. Know, we we can handle working with everybody else that's on the team and and funnel that back to the artist yeah you know, and make sure that they're they're only taking care of what they need to be taking care of which is putting on a good performance making good music and not having to worry so much about the business stuff you know yeah. and a, a lot of the industry especially because you know everybody's all over the place so you might have a publicist that's in New York and a label that's in LA or whatever so um, there's a lot of there's a lot of reaching out to different people that you have to do in order to get certain tasks done that it would be just obnoxious for an artist to do all that on their own yeah you know? um, I don't know where I'm going with this no I was curious about because you always see the it's always like the man, you know, you hear the story of the the artist that went bankrupt because it's always like the manager that was stealing yeah. money from them, or uh, you know, their career got sidelined. And it was it's always blamed on the manager that didn't do his job, or you see the or you see the like typical band is coming up, 
label gets involved, now they want a new manager yeah. in a place who's sure. bigger and better mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So, like, as a, I guess as your level of management with artists, what do you, do you see yourself going all the way through a career with an, with an artist? Or have you seen, have you run into that where it was like, all right, we got to let you go because we need this other... Yeah, I mean, the thankfully, uh, most of the artists that we've worked with, we've kept working with, you know, for a, for a while. And the plan is always, we, we like to think long term. Um, and that's, I think, one of the other biggest differences to at least the way we approach management um, versus a booking agent or a publicist. Like, you may hire a booking agent for one tour, or you may work with a label for two albums. But we want to be the person on the band's team that's there from the beginning to the end, yeah. you know. And part of that is that we get to really learn who these who these artists are as people, and you know I think we have a really good relationship with all our yeah. clients. So I feel like they can at least trust our opinion or val- at least value our opinion. Whereas you know the label might want one thing, this person might want another thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But we can help them kind of look at it objectively and figure out. Yeah, of all of all do. the professional relationships and artists has generally the manager is the closest personally mm. uh, because they have to understand the artist's personal needs as it comes to their art. Yeah. Um, the label doesn't necessarily care about that or care about um, about what the artist wants to do or the artist's goals. And they could, but they don't necessarily have to. The manager's job uh, as the professional and the friend, if you want to call it that, um, which is odd usually the same for us um the job is to hold all that together and make sure that everyone's on track and running in a way that is conducive to the relationship that the artist needs to get art out there like i legitimately spend a fair amount of time with with certain artists more than others just i feel like i'm their therapist at times you know (laughs) because they're um it's it's hard to to make music and put it out there and have people especially you know we've gone through rounds of label shopping where you know you you get a lot of rejection it's like being an actor you know you get a lot of you go to go through a lot of auditions quote unquote and a lot of people reject you a lot of people say no and that can be hard for somebody that's put their life into this album or into this song and now they're having all these people tell them like eh, no we're going to pass on this for now and that's a totally legitimate business thing to do i mean obviously not everybody's going to take everything um but it's not easy on the artist. It's not easy on the artist to hear that. So a big part yeah. of it is, you know, being there for them and helping them understand that, you know, this is just part of the process. Like, this is, this yeah. is the music industry, you know? And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's cool also to see um, particular artists where they um, kind of come into their own over time, too, where you can see them grow um, as, a, as a musician, as an artist, but also like be more confident in themselves as people and and Mm. do more interesting things on stage or more unique things with their music videos because now they feel like all right i've got i've got some people behind me you know i've got i've got a little bit of a team we can i you know it's a nice it's a nice boost yeah yeah um what do you so what are your what's your opinion about the music industry these days Oh God! Uh, where, <laughs> where where would we start? Yeah, where would we start? What can we say? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a little bit. It's a little bit like the Wild West right now, or the, okay. the Wiki Wiki Wild West, if you're Will Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of you know because okay, so 
the record industry went from records to cassettes to CDs and then to iTunes, you know? Right. And it's like right when people started to get comfortable downloading music and sort of purchasing music digitally, that got like knocked out the door and now streaming's here, you know? Right. And now it's a totally different model. And, and that... If I can interject, yeah. Uh, yeah. directly related to that, you have to keep in mind the mentality... Uh, I mean, there was an advancement in format when people were moving from records to cassettes to eight tracks to CDs uh, to iTunes. But you have to keep in mind that there are super fans out there that are going to buy the record and then they're going to buy right. the cassette and they're going to buy everything that's ever been done through iTunes. And right. People that own all the Beatles on everything ever. Right. Uh, the mentality with that was all an investment opportunity because they could guarantee those sales. Uh, Enter those investors and all of that merchandise hitting a wall with streaming. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's yeah. where we stand. Yeah, and then that that's that's the thing is people saw revenue go way down with streaming because now people are paying ten dollars a month and that's being split in you know micro doses to random artists. Whereas before, right. you know, somebody would pay ten dollars for your album. And that's ten dollars right. that you receive. Yeah. yeah. You know. Now I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a question that I that I I've had about with streaming because now I like I have I use Apple music a lot yeah. of times and I use both Spotify Spotify as well so I I've turned into the I don't I'm not buying albums digitally that much anymore unless I really want to own this particular album digitally yeah. I'm just streaming most of the time but then I'm like how does that artist actually get paid uh, yeah. from very, very minimally yeah, you know you, you get paid like it's less than a penny yeah. per stream I had I had a friend recently say oh man your artists are going to be so rich look at all the streams they're getting I was like what are you, what are you talking about man <laughs> he's <laughs> like yeah they get like 40 cents per stream right I was like you have no idea how this Dude, works 40 cents per stream would be amazing that would be <laughs> incredible yeah but but ten dollars a month spread out over how many hours of music you're listening to is—it's just not possible. Yeah, but for an up-and-coming artist, for a younger artist, um, streaming I think is invaluable because now it, the commitment is is so much lower. You know, rather than trying to convince somebody to even spend a dollar to buy your single, now it's like, hey, listen to it for free. If you like it, add it to your playlist and keep listening. Yeah, and so people are much more willing, I think, to listen to new artists and try out and listen to an album that they wouldn't otherwise have listened to. Yeah, you know? well, that's what it's done for me. Yeah, because there's there's artists who so like I'll sample it maybe and like yeah okay it sounds okay, but now that I can stream it, I'll just stream the whole album and listen to the full song rather than the two yeah. minute you know or yeah. sixty and, second sample. And Spotify recognizes that and they built their platform around discovery. Yeah, and that's one good thing we can say about Spotify is like from from the very beginning of us working with them at least they've been really good about helping independent artists get known and putting our artists on big playlists with you know Drake or something to get to get noticed you yeah. know where they they put artists on a more equal playing field which is cool you know and from that we've seen um, you know while while a band might not be raking in as much in terms of sales and revenue from all these people streaming all the time they're actually getting a lot more engagement from fans I mean that's such a marketing term you know but yeah. whatever they're they're like really you know they're really building fan bases because now people just can digest all their music all the time if they want right you know? and so we've, there's definitely a direct correlation between the artists 
streaming numbers on Spotify and the number of people that are attending shows and buying merch and you know just talking about the band in general. So right. if you're if you're an up and coming band, you got to be on the streaming services because that's that is the way to get noticed these days, and that's the way you're going to build a fan base. Yeah. So how does that turn into how does that turn into a successful payment, I guess, for the artist? It, it doesn't necessarily directly correlate to successful payment. Are you, are you saying, like, like someone listening artist, to music on Spotify, how do you get paid from it? Yeah. Like, directly? Re- or, yeah, like, so if they're, let's say they're getting a million, I'm just going to die crazy numbers, so a million streams a month mm. as an artist. Mm. How does that translate? And they've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, social media-wise, and through streaming services and everything. How does that translate? They could still be working at Starbucks or wherever yeah, absolutely. because yeah. they're not actually getting paid as a, as a band. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the cool thing about streaming, too, is, like you said, if an artist is getting, you know, a million streams or a month or whatever, if you have a solid fan base and you've and you built something cool... Um, that will stay pretty steady. You know, people people are creatures of habit, so most people listen to the same 30, 40 songs for six months, you know, yeah. if even okay. that many. They might listen to 10 songs for six <coughs> months or whatever. So you'll see um, pretty consistent numbers with bands where that can become uh, one of the few somewhat stable sources of income, even if it's just 300 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month it's or consistent. whatever it's consistently you're getting that money yeah. you know so that's at least a nice thing yeah. but as far as you're collecting you usually collect it through whatever digital distribution you put it through so if you uploaded it to CD Baby you can collect it through CD Baby yeah. uh, and there are other services now that are collecting royalties from different places and that's the key for artists is uh, you know not to keep going on a tangent I guess but I guess that's why yeah, we're no. I guess that's why we're here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, you know that's where Labels will come in and, you know, do get that job of do that job of getting the music on the streaming services. But then they'll take fifty percent or more, right? You know, from the artist, and that's where the artist really gets hurt. But there's a lot of ways now where an artist can put the music out on their own and keep, you know, a much higher percentage of their royalties, okay. if not all of their royalties. There's some services where you pay monthly and then you can upload whatever right. songs you want, and then you keep 100% of your royalties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is, which, is, which is fantastic, and that's a great way for artists to, you know, really maximize what they can do off, it, off It's fantastic if you have enough strings. But if, if you're, have, you're, yeah, well, if you're the bottom man with not enough strings, then you have to go up Yeah, and then that's the catch-22. is like you want the label to help with promotion and help get you those streaming numbers, but right. you want to keep as much of a percentage for yourself so that you're actually making a little something down the line. Yeah, yeah. Because that uh, the interesting thing to that with me is like, which is it's almost like a double-edged sword. Like one side, yeah, you get you get more access to your own money, but maybe don't have the dis- the same distribution. Yeah. Whereas with the record label, theoretically, you get a higher distribution, but it's less money. Yeah. yeah. Record labels can theoretically bring a lot of other. Benefits like investing in your merchandise that you bring on tour with you, mm-hmm. uh, or having built-in PR that helps you with those things. So you don't have to do those things separately. Yeah. It depends on what label and what level you're at, you know. So, um, there so, there are plenty of advantages advantages to everything you do in the music industry. That's what makes management valuable is helping you navigate the advantages and the disadvantages to what works for the artists. Yeah. So as a as manager, so say you have a new artist, like what 
What is, what's the advice that you give him? Wow, I mean that that depends on the artist. <laughs> it depends yeah. on what you're doing, um, and that's one of the cool things about management too. Um, at least the way we approach it, like there's no there's no rule book for it. You know, mm-hmm. there's no like you have to do this this way, you have to do this that way. So the first thing that we do when we take on a new client is really study them. You know, in a in a non creepy way. Is <laughs> out, like, I had the bushes. Yeah, yeah. We just watch, we watch them very closely, uh, but we do we do actually. But um, yeah, it's figuring out like okay, what uh, what is this artist trying to do? Who is their fan base? who do they want their fan base to be and who actually is their fan base which sometimes can be very different things you may you may you know be this like cool coffee shop hipster that you want to make songs for cool coffee shop hipsters but mm-hmm. that group might never love you you know you might your fans might actually be these well, college girls yeah or these, or these like you know yeah. or these college bros or whatever like you know that might be the people that really dig your music and a big part of our job is finding out who those people are and figuring out the best way to get the music to those people. Because mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of bands, and I ask them who their audience is, and they're always like, oh, well, everybody. You know, we're, we're diverse, and, you know, tons of people will like us. It doesn't yeah. matter. But you can't, any any marketing professor or person will tell you that you can't market to everybody. Yeah. Nobody has a product that goes to everybody. You know, you have to figure out exactly, especially in this world where, and all music is available all the time, and if, if you're really into, like, you know, I don't know, weird German trip-hop or something, you can find a bajillion albums that are that, you know? So you need to find... If you're a German trip-hop band, you need to find the people that are that are listening yeah. to that music. Because you know? the people that are listening to the Chainsmokers or rap music or whatever aren't going to be looking for that trip-hop album. So you're wasting all of your energy trying to appeal to everybody and market to those people that are just never going to turn into fans. So don't don't set your advertising to eighteen to sixty five plus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. yeah. Have you run into a Have you run into a situation where, like that, they the artist is like, no, I want to be I want to be the musician for or the band for X, but their fan base was something else, and they either couldn't or didn't want to play to that audience I guess you could say yeah I think I think what happens is eventually the artists realize that they you, you just you just figure out that like okay I can either I can either keep doing this thing and have it appeal to nobody or I can really focus in on you know if you're smart I can really focus in on the thing that's working for me and I think eventually people start to realize like okay this is this is what my fan base is no matter how much I'm going to fight it you know? yeah <laughs> if, if you wanted to be a career you have to trade off a career just like that so if I'm selling I mean we've been watching the office lately so if I'm selling paper and I think that my clients are all coffee shops and law offices start buying my paper I'm not going to say no I'm going to sell my paper where it goes right yeah same with your music so I so I feel like what happens in that situation is the is the classic I'm not going to sell out Type of thing, yeah. Because, yeah. Like for example, yeah. like let's take a coffee shop for example. Like Starbucks, you know, people have things against Starbucks, but Starbucks made a choice of, yeah, we want to make more money, we want to grow our company. This is the clientele, and this is what they're buying. So we're gonna we're gonna go for that. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the you know the independent shop, quote unquote, that is well, we're not gonna sell out to be like that. 
we're going to stick with this, and they never grow. They never, yeah. You know, they might make it. They might exist, but they're only going to be in that one little niche, small group of people. Yeah, and I think there are valid arguments to each side um, of that that playing field. If I'm a business that wants to sell what I sell, and I'm stubborn about it because I love that space, then maybe I love that space more than I love making it a career or making a million dollars off of it or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. But if I am a Starbucks and I choose to target that kind of market and I want to have a difference in my community, uh, whether that be a local or a worldwide kind of community, you do get these parts of being a bigger business. And if you want to have be someone that has a say, selling out sucks to a lot of people, but it does give you that voice. You know, mm-hmm. you get to expand to the point that you have a voice. Yeah. So a lot of musicians that quote unquote sell out, or or you can call it making a big career for themselves get to say something that's heard much more widely. Yeah, and I think people are, are getting hip to the fact now that, you know, these musicians that they love, it's it's not like it was in the 80s. Like, they're not all, you know, these super rich guys living in mansion and doing coke off models backs and stuff. Right. You know, like there's, you know, the, the starving artist thing is a legit thing, even for people that are doing quite well. Yeah. Um, and I think I think fans are, are much more okay with bands like selling out. You know, because they know, yeah. like, all right, you gotta get your money somewhere. You know, might as well get it from this Budweiser sponsorship. You know, <laughs> like, but is that like to me? The, my thing is though, is that is that selling out? Like, I don't think because so, you yeah. got offered somebody liked your stuff enough and they offered you this thing. No, so, to selling me, out. selling out is like you going. We're gonna. We don't. We hate this, or we don't like. We're only doing this so that we can make money, not yeah. because we actually yeah. love what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know. I think you can you can do both. I, I think that you can uh, you can love what you're doing and make a lot of money on it. And that's. I mean, I, I guess I agree. I guess I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, but by by that term, Pink Floyd was a total sellout, and I love Pink Floyd, so I'm right. I'm not going to argue against it. Yeah. In any way, and no, nobody's going to complain about seeing people that they're intimate with on social media or whatever doing well. I think the other thing too is like. You know, back in the day, because radio and MTV controlled so much of what was cool about the industry, was when a band would sell out, like Metallica went from, you know, and Justice for All to the Black Album. It was like they went from these, like, seven, eight minute shred fest metal songs to these three and a half minute, you know, perfectly set up pop songs. Right. That I can see where a fan was like, all right, you're deliberately changing your music so that you can fit what works for the radio mm. but I think now that radio is not as important and people are getting their music through Spotify there's not as much of an incentive for an artist to change their music to get popular like you can still make whatever loud grungy punk rock you want to make right. and, and get a sponsorship from whoever right. one of our bands the Fantastic Plastics they got a uh, Taco Bell sponsorship um, nice. The Taco Bell it was Taco Bell doing this feed the beat promotion, uh-huh. um, and I think they gave him what like five hundred bucks on Taco Bell gift cards. I was like, yeah, you're paying us our fifteen percent out of Taco Bell gift cards. <laughs> 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 you know what's brilliant though for them is like we got food for days for, on yeah, tour. Well, that's the whole point is like Taco Bell wanted to help out by feeding touring bands, you know. Yeah. So. Um, but any, the, the, the point of my story is that then, you know, they didn't have to change their sound for Taco Bell to give them a sponsorship. Sure. They made the same music that they always made. Sure. It's just now it's being, you know, it was being recognized by a company, you know. What would you say to the, because uh, I, I could see the counter argument to that being, well, let's take Metallica, your example, Metallica. Yeah. Well, Metallica didn't sell, we didn't sell out. 
we just grew as artists. Like we sure. did that thing, and that was our, you know, our young college grunge thing, and then we we just progressed. Yeah, they grew up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. I mean, obviously, you can always say that, and I think that's legitimately what happens with a lot of artists too. Is that yeah, they just. You know, they you don't want to make the same music that you made your entire life, and that's the catch twenty two that you run into is you either change and alienate some of your old fans, or you stay the same, and then those same fans are going to get bored of you, and you know yeah. you're not going to grow. Either way, you might be screwed. So yeah, I, I guess the the key is what's the what if we're talking about being a sellout or not being a sellout um, is what was the band's intent, you know? And yeah. That's very, a, that's a lawyerly thing to say. <laughs> like, what was they, like, what did they yeah. intend yeah, when like, they, I mean, even if your intent was to make money off of it, what about that makes you a solid that you want to make music for a career? Yeah. You that's know? the other thing. That's, it's like, yeah, I've seen so many artists that are struggling that, Hey, if you can, if you can make a million dollars because you change your style a little bit, yeah. I, as much as it sucks to say, because my teenage me is hating myself for it, I'd <laughs> say go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know that that's money that you can use to fund cooler, more creative projects. Yeah, yeah true. Pearl and that's such a weird company. thing to me. It's like like as fans, and I've done it yeah. you know, with bands that I'm fans of of going like, ah, I don't. Why did you change? I don't like your I don't like your new sound. It's terrible yeah. kind of thing. But yeah. it's almost like this. Uh, my tastes are allowed to change because I can listen to something else that I don't wouldn't particularly like let's say I went from like I love Metallica but then this new Taylor Swift album came out and I love that so I'm going to listen to that and I might lie about it but I'll do it but as soon as a band that we love goes from playing whatever type of genre and merges into something else it's like they just it's immediate like they sold out they just wanted to make money they're not they're not making real music anymore yeah well I, I don't know Lady Gaga did an album that was pseudo country, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if that's selling out at all. That's just different, you know. I don't know what right. about that would make her a sellout. It's just a different style. Yeah, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, but I can't think of any examples that made me stop listening to a band back in the yeah. day. Well, no, I'm saying like, <laughs> like yeah. as fans, a lot of times, depending on the band, it's like we turn into this. Uh, no, your tastes are not allowed to change as a band. <laughs> yeah, I liked you because you did this. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I also think as, as consumers and listeners, we should grow out of that kind of mentality, too. Because I feel yeah. like when I, was a, when I was a teenager, you know, I was really into, like, heavy metal and stuff, and I would, I was one of those people that would hate on bands that would add, you know, melodic elements to their music or mm. whatever. Um, but then I got older, and I'm just like, you know, why does it matter? <laughs> like, what's the, what's the big deal? Yeah. You know? So, I don't know, I think that's something that, that you can grow out of, too, and just enjoy music for what it is. Like you said, you, you if you like the Taylor Swift album, you know, you might lie about it, but you shouldn't have to. Yeah. You know, if you like Except the Taylor Swift album. I cool. need to clarify, I don't, I can't stand Taylor Swift. Oh, so. no, okay, all right. I, I actually, I love I love the, the newest Taylor Swift album, 1989. Um, my wife is a big T-Swift, T-Swift yeah. fan. And I'd like to say that most of the time when T-Swift is playing, it's because of her, but it's not. Sometimes I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to T-Swift, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> but yeah, You should be honest. I am. Honestly, it, the big part of it is that I just love pop music. Like that's, yeah. that's my thing at the end of the day, is I just want I just want a great written song, you know, something that's catchy and that I can... 
but you know. See, it's a fast. All right, so let's talk about that for a second because <clears throat> that's a fascinating philosophy. Because to me, a great written song is in the lyrics. Sure. Most let's just use Taylor Swift for example. Most of her songs on those kind of, on on that album horribly written. Like this, some of the dumbest lyrics I've ever heard. Yeah. Great melody writing. Though. Melody, is, <laughs> yeah. The music itself is great. Yeah. So you take to me, it's almost like two separate things. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's hard too to say like what exactly makes a song good. You know, it's like, sure. Yeah. Um, it's so subjective. It is, and there's there's a lot of, and I see what you're saying too. Like, there's a lot of songs where it's like, you know, Paul Simon's Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover" is a great song because it's catchy and it's got amazing lyrics. You know, but. Mm-hmm. There's other songs where, you know, it's a great it's a great song because it's catchy, but the lyrics are terrible, you know, or um, the other way around, or the other way around, you know. I I don't generally like Bob Dylan's music, but I love his lyrics. Mm. You don't like Bob Dylan's music? <laughs> what, for how long? I'm gonna, yeah, what is that about? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you on that. Yeah. Why? Yeah. How long you know you don't know that? I've explicitly told you that before. That you hate Bob Dylan? I, did I say that, Mr. Lawyer? No, no, no. That's what I, that's what I heard. I heard no. that. I love his lyrics. I generally don't like his music. That's yeah. such a prime example of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, immediate, like, I love his lyrics. I don't like his music. Why do you hate Bob Dylan? <laughs> exactly. I never said I hate Bob Dylan. No, you, I, that's no. What I heard. I heard contempt. <laughs> I, I had a friend that once argued, uh, ah, the traveling Wilburys are having trouble keeping up with Bob Dylan. And this is the one that you would like. I responded with, it's hard to keep up with a musician that can't play music. Uh, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say anything. No, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> it's not true, but it's right, like I said. Right. <laughs> And I'm not that into Bob Dylan, so I'm not going to get into this. No, I, I, like, I like Bob Dylan, but I think that a lot of the music of the era just totally shadows Bob Dylan as far as music goes. I love him as a lyricist. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've never quite understood why he made it as a musician. Mm-hmm. I should probably look into that more, but I've just never quite understood it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wrote good songs. That's There's a lot of bands that yeah. I go, yeah. I don't know how you made it. Really yeah, I don't. Yeah, but you well, did. So I guess good on you. That's pretty yeah. common. <laughs> yeah. Well, for that reason, I'm also I'm a really big fan of cover songs. Like I have, okay. I have a very lengthy playlist on Spotify that's just all my favorite covers. Mm-hmm. And part of that is I think that when you hear somebody else do somebody's song, that's when you start to figure out is this a, is this a good song or was it just a really cool thing that this artist did yeah. with their sound? You know? Yeah. Because if if somebody else can do a song and it's and it's great, or it's, it stands on its own, or you can see the song from a different perspective and it still works. Yeah. It's like, okay, that was a really good song, you know? Um, like, I just recently heard a really good cover of uh, 500 Miles, the... What was uh, it? Yeah. I Will yeah. Walk 500 yeah. Miles. Yeah. Great song with actually amazing lyrics, but, you know, the sound that they did is much more fun and quirky, but you hear somebody do, like, a more of a stripped-down version of that song, and you're like, that, that's beautiful. That's yeah. a beautiful message. I would walk that's a, that's a great example of, uh, when that song came out I hated it yeah it's like I don't know this is the dumbest sounds awful why is anyone why is it such a big song but then the older I got now I'm like oh, it's a great song yeah, yeah. that song and uh, my favorite thing for that is uh, remember the Jill is Lucky cover of What's Up oh yeah is this the Four Non Blonde song yeah. 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 
there's this guy that's European. I don't. I'm not sure if he knows what he's saying, but he covers the song <laughs> on like a ukulele. It's beautiful, that's and he amazing. does a full choral arrangement. It's awesome, beautiful. Let me guess. You love Ryan Adams' cover album. Of got it. I got the vinyl. I'm, I'm set. I love that album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that's what made me honestly. That album made me really appreciate the Taylor Swift album because I was like, "Wow, yeah. these are you know." When Ryan Adams does it in his almost Springsteen esque way, it's mm-hmm. like, "Well, these are actually some pretty good songs." You know. So Ryan Adams gave legitimacy to Taylor Swift for you. For me, yeah, I think it. I think at, once he released that record, I was like, "Okay, I can like this," and the indie heads won't won't jump. <laughs> you know? I can keep my indie cred, right, and still. Listen to my Still Taylor listen Swift. to Taylor yeah. Swift. I can have my Taylor Swift and listen to. But yeah. that mean you're, you're supposed to be listening to the Ryan Adams version, not the Taylor Swift version. Oh, you know. I'm listening to the Taylor Swift version of the Ryan Adams song. That's what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm flipping it on its head. Yeah. All right, but uh, yeah, that's amazing. That, yeah, music. Uh, I feel like getting into the music industry, especially being managers, that's such a. So I want to have you guys on because it's such a. I feel like there, there's such a flood of people in that industry from all different angles, and why would another, why another management? Yeah. Company? Well, the thing is, there's actually not that many management companies, or at least yeah. not that are doing it on a yeah. like a real like yeah. way. I think there are a lot of people saying I'm a manager, and they're yeah. really just a friend that kind of stands there. Mm. Yeah. So there's there's not a lot of management companies, but there are a lot of artists. I mean, we get countless submissions every day from artists that are, you know, trying to get their music heard, looking for representation, whatever. Um, and there's there's not that many people that are that are doing it and taking on clients in that way. Yeah. You know. Um, so what's your philosophy of like as a company, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna manage artists, these are the kinds of artists that we take on. Yeah. Um, I I have a we have a short thing on our website that kind of is, is about that, but um, our like very simple philosophy is music should be good. Mm-hmm. So, and that doesn't mean that the music needs to be good music, although we hope that it is. But that the people that are making the music and the people behind it are good and are doing something mm-hmm. not only not only cool for their fans or good to the people that are listening to their music, but good for the world, you know, like yeah. we, we work with a lot of bands that are always down to do charity events or, you know, Planned Parenthood uh, events or benefit shows yeah. or whatever in New York or wherever, we, you know. Most of our bands, or I should say all of our bands, are really into causes. They they want to see the world always doing better. Yeah. And they want to do better themselves, but if they have to play a free concert to help the world, then yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. You know? Then they're yeah. not going to do something And it's, it's cool because a lot of our bands are into very different causes. You know, yeah. like um, Gonzalo from Parrot Dream, um, one of the first bands we started working with, he is from Santiago, Chile, mm-hmm. um, or outside of Santiago, Chile. Gonzalo, if you're listening, I apologize. But <laughs> he, uh, yeah, not bad. Um, but anyways, he's really into... Um, you know, immigration and immigrant rights because okay. he lives in New York now and he's seen firsthand what it was like to come to this country very recently in the um, the experience that he's had just interacting with people and getting assimilated into the culture. You know, that's obviously a very important issue for him. Sure. You know, whereas other bands we work with might be more into, you know, something environmental or you know, whatever it is that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that they're 
you know, if, if you're if you're making music and you have this platform, you know, you don't have to be political or anything. But I feel like you're doing a disservice to yourself if you're not at least spreading some kind of good message. Yeah, you know, sharing something something positive back to the world. Yeah, you know? and thankfully we can say that. Yeah, pretty much all the artists we work with are doing something like that. And uh, you know, it's not like it's a requirement. Like we don't hit them up and say like, "Hey, what you know? What's what, the yeah, what charity did you support yeah, this yeah. week?" You know, but. And I was going to ask you that, if that's like a stipulation or a filter that you look at of, are these people using their influence on some level like that before you take them on, or is that something that comes after? Yeah, I mean, it can be a mix of both, you know. It it could be either or. I mean, we usually represent artists that we love, like we love their music and we love their their art and how they interact with the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, So if that's something that comes with it, then yeah, we want to be a part of that but that's that's definitely the key metric like Jason said yeah. is like you know we we get a lot of submissions and I might get a submission from a band or a band or, a, or an artist that'll say something like oh we have you know a half million followers and we have you know all these streams and we've been featured on this magazine and that magazine and all this exposure but if I don't love the music if it doesn't get me excited personally then I know I'm not going to be able to get anybody else excited yeah like I talk about all our bands like because I, the way I talk about them, because I really love that music, and that if I wasn't managing them, I would still be listening to them, and I would yeah. still be excited about what they're doing. You know, so if if we get a submission, even if on paper it's like, oh, this this would be a great business move, you know, this might grow our business in these areas or whatever. If I if I listen to the music and it doesn't give me that like special feeling, <coughs> I know it's not that it's not for us. Interesting. Where did that Where did that come from? For you guys, of it's got to be, it's got to be good. We want them to be doing good things. We want them to be good people. Being musicians, and I think not being shitheads ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And I think that's that's a big thing for us. I mean, um, as musicians, we 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 know what bands go through, um, not only to write but to record their music and make sure that it gets into the world the way they want it to be heard. Yeah, um, and. I'm, Randy's my best friend because he's not an asshole. Mm. Uh, he's no, one of them. Not all the time. Yeah, well, he's always, <laughs> he's always an asshole. He's my asshole. Yeah. No, he's, uh, because he's a good person, mm-hmm. um, and, and I've grown a lot from knowing him as a good person. Um, they would, I, I feel that way about the band as well. They are good people, and I grow because I know them. Yeah, and, and so many people in this industry, like, it's, you know, it's the entertainment industry, so in entertainment... You know, people are very good at hiding the bad and only showing you the good. Yeah. And you'll come across a lot of managers or people that are going to tell you, like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z for it. We're going to do this. We're going to get you here. We're gonna... And then they don't deliver. And yeah. So from the very beginning, we decide, like, all right, we're not going to make false promises. Like, we're not going to, you know, I we try not to promise anything. It's really like, I'm going to do everything I can to help. But, right. at, you know, at the end of the day, it's... It's all about transparency, and as, as long as we're honest with the artists and they're honest with us, then we're going to have a good thing going. Um, but on a deeper level, um, I think the whole music should be good thing comes from uh, probably Jesuit. You know, we went to yeah. Jesuit High School, and uh, I remember we had a, a teacher, specifically Mr. Mann, who would always say, um, he would at the end of every class, when we walk out the door, he'd say, do good, avoid evil. And for me, that was always like, that's so simple. It's such a simple concept. Do yeah. good. And avoid evil. Like, don't do shitty things and do good things. Right. That's, you know, it's pretty simple. Yeah. And I, that's always stuck with me, you know, throughout my life is that's, 
how I try to approach everything. Like, if I can do something positive as opposed to doing something negative, that's what we're going to try to do. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah. Good guy, Mr. Man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. That is a simple thing. I feel like at some point along the way, people forget that. Yeah. Because it sounds like for you guys, the, the, the business side... Oh, we can really make a lot of money off this artist. It's less important to you than do we enjoy their music? Are they good people? Are they going to do good things with yeah. the music that they? Yeah, do? and that's 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 a hundred percent spot on. That's if, exactly. It. If I wanted to make money, I'd go back and work at a law firm. You know, I wouldn't. Yeah, be, I wouldn't be messing around with artists. Yeah. Right. right. But we'd like to make it into a career, but you have to. We want to support this career with love and passion. Yeah, and that's not possible if we focus on money first. Yeah, and I, I think people see that. I mean, that's you know, we always try to be genuine about everything that we do, and I I hope that that comes across at least to our clients and the people that we do business with. Yeah. and like I said, the music industry is a very small community. You know, we run into the same people all the time, regardless of what we're doing. You know, um, that if you're just shitty to people, you know, why would why would people want to work with you? Right. You know. And, like, there's plenty of bands that are, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a lot of bands that are, like, amazing bands that, like, I'd love to have on our podcast, for example, but dealing with them or their PR person was a terrible experience, so mm. I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, there's a, there's a laundry list of bands that I can choose from instead of that band, yeah. you know, just to not have to have another negative experience with whoever I had to deal with, right. you know, so. But thankfully, the people that... that have longevity in the industry usually tend to be people that you know are doing are being being positive right and things so I like what you said about doing with love and passion it doesn't always mean you can't do that if money if money's first you know and I think I think it's a really important point to make because especially with my podcast the the goal of being encouraging people to to boldly go like chase their dream do the thing that they love but there's a to me there's a difference between doing that and it being your career it can be your career but it doesn't always mean it'll be your career yeah my thing is still do the thing that you love find a way to do the thing you love even even while you're sitting in a cubicle at the job that you hate yeah yeah, I, I work a I work a full time job while doing this. Um, granted, I love my job too. I think it's a cool freaking job. Yeah, but I I do that and I do this, and sometimes I can do them both at the same time. It's pretty freaking awesome because it's passion on top of passion. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I'm I'm fortunate to be in the position. Yeah, especially with Randy because this business will be pretty much nothing without Randy. He is, I mean. If you listen to him talk and bring up how I talk, it's pretty <laughs> obvious that he he has the handle on that. I like doing administrative stuff. I like sitting at a spreadsheet for a while and zoning out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just because he's a lawyer, they're good at talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, that's that's what makes the business work is like I get to to gab to people all day and, yeah. and make friends and connections and Jason keeps the business running smoothly. You know? Yeah. So... But I think that's also an important thing to recognize that, like, I, I'm not that. So I'm not going to try to be that. I can't. I'm going to do the thing that I'm good at. Yeah. And be okay with that. Yeah. 
And uh, it's funny, we're actually listening to uh, we're listening to the episode that we did with you that's coming out at the same time this one's coming out, a little yeah. teaser, listeners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in the episode, you mentioned uh, one of your guests saying how they just want to be, they just want to hang out in dugouts, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a, that's a little bit of, or a lot of what I do is, like, just cheer people on and, and, yeah. and support them so that they can keep doing what they're doing, and that's... Uh, something I've always been good at. Like I was, I was thinking about that a lot last night. Actually, the dugout thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I used to play little league, and my favorite part of little league was hanging out in the dugout and drinking Gatorade and cheering on the team. Right. You know, like I playing playing the game was like, all right, this is okay. Right. But like hanging out in the dugout and the camaraderie. That's what I dug. Yeah. Towards and, uh, towards the end of listening to your episode last night when we were done editing it, Randy was like, man. I'm just so positive. I'm just so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. But yeah. but yeah, so that's that's a big part of, of what I do is you know hang out in dugouts. You know, yeah. <laughs> just, just cheer people on. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Like from a from a manager perspective, I guess essentially that's what the the job really is. is yeah, you just got to get people excited about the music because the thing is that's that's what it all is, and that's why this here's my big thing for any artists that are listening to this or upcoming artists, the key is to get your community excited about you. And that doesn't have to necessarily mean your city or your actual community, but whatever your specific fan base is or group or whatever you do, get that community excited because those are the people that are going to get everybody else excited. Right. You know? So, and once everybody's excited, then everybody's going to listen and people are going to dig what you're doing. You know? So as managers, our job is to help get that core group of people excited, you know, mm-hmm. and the core people being, you know, like the press and the agents and the people in the industry that can then help everybody else get excited. That's that's our community, at least. The artists are focusing on their specific fans and the people that are buying the records. We're focused on the larger music business community, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and it is. And then, yeah. it, you know... And everybody that's in this industry, obviously they want to make money, but at the end of the day, they're in it because they're music fans and they love music so much that they're willing to spend their lives on it, you know? So those are the people that you want to be excited about your music, you know, because mm-hmm. they're going to help everybody else get excited about it. Yeah. You know? And then they'll be much more willing, like if, obviously you can send press releases all day to a, to a publication, but if they don't like the song or they don't like the band, they're just not going to write about it. And if they do, they're going to write, you know, some bullshit that you don't, you know, that's not going to help you. Right. You know, you want passionate, you know, passionate fans to write something cool about you. So, I don't know. It's a, it reminds me of a TED Talk that I watched one time called, and I can't remember the title of it, but basically the philosophy, the idea of it was the first follower is really the, more important than the person doing the crazy thing. Because, and he showed this video of like a concert, you know, like one, like a festival. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's this guy out in the field just dancing, but not really good dancing, just <laughs> looking like a moron. And then the, and everyone was just kind of sitting around, and then one person jumped up and started dancing with him. And then once that other person started dancing, the rest of this crew, the people that were just sitting around, all slowly started jiggling the dancing to where eventually they were all doing it. And his whole philosophy was the first follower is the most important key to that because otherwise it's just a, a moron dancing in the field by himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's true too. And it's, I always tell artists that 
the key is I'd rather have ten super fans than a hundred like casual fans. You know, because yeah. those ten super fans, those people that are really, really into the music, they're the ones that are going to be listening twenty four seven on Spotify. They're the ones that are going to buy your music, and they're the ones that are going to support you. you yeah. Know? So if you can find a even if it's a small group of dedicated, lifelong, hardcore fans, that's going to be way more valuable than a bunch of people that just listen to your song once or twice and forget about you. Yeah. Um, and the, the key to do that is, you know, be, be genuine with those fans, give back to them. You know, I always tell artists, like, if a fan, anything a fan asks for, like, anything that's, you know, within reason, <laughs> like, right. do it for them. You yeah. know, like, if yeah. they... If they want you to, to to draw a picture for them, draw a picture for them. Like what I don't know, whatever you want to do, right? <laughs> like whatever they want, just do it. Yeah, you know? I'm amazed a lot of times at artists that, um, and I get it. Like you're tired, you don't want to be around people sometimes. All that kind of stuff. I get it. Totally understand. But I'm amazed at the artists that will just be jerks to their fans. Yeah. Like, What's yeah, the point of that? There's right. some people that make you what you are. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you don't feel like being around them, just don't, like, stay on the bus or go, yeah. you know, take the other route to get to where you're where you're going. Don't go out there and then, like, you know, some kid is like, oh, will you sign this thing for me and then be an asshole about it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't, I understand that popularity corrupts a lot of people, but I'll never understand that mentality. Yeah. I'll never ever understand being a good fan. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can support anyone that's just me with everything. It makes no sense. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, to kind of wrap it up, I always end with two questions. Um, actually, before we get into that, the dugout thing yeah. reminds me of. Have you ever heard the comedian Brian Regan? Yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorite comedians. He's got a whole bit about playing Little League. Okay. And I've heard it. talking about uh, chatter. Yeah. Do you ever play, play Little League? Like, and it was like the, the one thing I learned was hey batter batter and he's like he's like and what what purpose does that have like, <laughs> it's like is anyone does that really mess anyone up and he's like it was this whole thing yeah. and he's like he's like like the batter's gonna get distracted and then you end it with hey batter, batter swing swing batter swing <laughs> it's like okay. like they're gonna listen to you yeah. <clears throat> he goes well, where's that what else where's that else does that apply in life like I, just, like, I think if you're going to do that literally, you should be able to do that as an adult. Like, well, hey, lawyer, lawyer, <laughs> sue, lawyer, sue. <laughs> <laughs> that would make life a lot more interesting in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I read it on Twitter. I mean, you thought about it was like the chatter and the like, cheering, on the, cheering on the people in the field. Yeah. So, that's funny. Uh, so, anyway, so wrap it up. Last two questions. One that I always ask to use as the guest, and then one to the to the listener. Um, under the idea of boldly going, and like what you guys are doing, in my estimation, is boldly going and trying to make the music industry better, trying to make artists better, living your dream in a sense. So you're going to be a lawyer. That's no one's dream. But <laughs> uh, um, do you? Do you believe that everyone has the ability to boldly go after their their dream, to pursue their dream, to accomplish whatever it is? And why or why not? 
Yeah, I think everyone absolutely has the ability to do whatever they're passionate about. Not to say that um, if someone's passionate about being a billionaire, I'm sorry, dude, but like, mm-hmm. chances of you achieving that are slim, and you should probably like learn what happiness mm-hmm. is and be passionate about something mm-hmm. that makes you happy instead of fills your voids. But, uh, but no matter how hard your passion is, there's someone that's probably been through harder to make sure their passion is, is their thing. Mm-hmm. So if it means you move to Africa and take care of sick people and starving people and and war torn families, then you can do that. And if it means staying in America and working with music, you can do that. Whatever it is, just find a way. It's yeah. Make your strategy and follow through. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, we're very Jason and I are both very fortunate. You know, like we we have we come from a privileged background. You know, like we have parents that helped us, you know, and we're, we had a lot of support to get to where we are, mm-hmm. and I know not everybody has that, you know, and it can be a lot harder when you don't have um, any support for what it is that you're doing, so I think that everybody should try to go for their passion and boldly go where they want to go, but I, you know, I know, like, realistically, not everybody can do that, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a tough thing, especially whatever your circumstances is, like, we're both fortunate that, like, you know, we don't have kids or, like, anybody else that we have to support, really. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's nice that we can that we can do this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say for, for anybody listening that's that's trying to, to do what they want to do out of life, you know, if you can go for it, I would say absolutely go for it. And there's always, you know, there's always ways to overcome whatever struggle it is. Everybody's got another challenge or something that's that's holding them back. But, you know, do what you can to overcome it and, you know, find that community out there, you know, because for, there's, there's got, there's going to be somebody out there that'll support you if what you're doing is a valuable thing. You know? Yeah. So if your situation looks bleak, just, just keep pushing and try to find, you know, try to find a way to do it. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. These are great answers. There's no right or wrong answer. Oh, I know that. Yeah, philosophy. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Um, so, to the to the listener, last question for you. Um, you've heard a story. You've heard what Jason and Randy are doing, um, and a lot of stuff. I think for the music industry, but applies to just life in general. To could really apply to any any part of life, no matter what it is. So. My question is, what can you do this week or this month to um, boldly go, to accomplish, to start down the road at least? You don't have to accomplish it all at one time, which I feel like is probably the same advice you'd give to an artist. That, like, yeah. You're not going to be you know, whoever it is, Lady Gaga, whatever, tomorrow. Uh, maybe five years from now you might. But it's like one thing at a time, chipping away at that dream. So what can you do this week, this month uh, to get there? And um, real quick, before we wrap it up, where can, where can people find you? What's the best way for people to follow you? Uh, you can follow Cigar City Management at Cigar City MGMT. So mm-hmm. that we're on every social network. We're at Cigar City MGMT. Um, you can follow Cigar City Radio at Cigar City Radio. Um, and then CigarCityManagement.com has everything. all the links, everything. Um, check out all the bands that we work with. Um, one of our newest clients, Fruit and Flowers, they're releasing a new EP June 30th. So be on the lookout for that. We've been posting a lot about it. So check out our socials, follow us, and you know, and reach out. I uh, I try to answer every email that I get, and it's, I get a lot of emails. So I apologize if it takes me a while, but 
you know, if you're an artist listening to this, email us. If you're not an artist and you just want to email us, email us too. It up. You know, cigarcitymgmt at gmail or info at cigarcitymanagement.com. Awesome. Are your artists all over, from all over the country? All, all over, over the country. country. Yeah. New York. Portland, LA, LA, New York, Bay Area, Illinois, Columbus, Ohio. We actually don't have any clients in Tampa, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. So yeah. bring it on, Tampa. Bring clients. it on. Bring Potential it on. Tampa clients. Yeah, we've talked with, with we've talked with a few people, and there's definitely some things in the works. But mm-hmm. um, now the 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 Tampa artists that we work with are really gonna put on for the scene, you know. So we're gonna we're holding out for the right partners. Yeah. You know. I said Tampa's an Tampa's an interesting market. Yeah. The music market. So that's fascinating. That you don't have any artists from Tampa. Yeah. When we do, it'll be right. It'll be very right. Has that been intentional, or is it just... Uh, uh, I mean, we definitely could have started working with some bands in Tampa, but uh, no, just, yeah, it hasn't, you know... Has it been the right fit yet? Yeah, we just, it's, again, we look, we look for the right people. Over, it's people over product, you know, so yeah, we can find a good product or whatever in Tampa, but until we find the right fit with the right people, it's not worth it. You know? Yeah. So. Awesome. Uh, well, guys, thanks for being on. I'm excited for the, the dual... The, dual the crossover. Yeah. The crossover. Exactly. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, uh, you should definitely go to, um, I guess you're on, pod, on uh, Apple yeah, Podcasts. We're on everything. Yeah. Cigar Search. City Radio. Yeah. Go to Cigar City Radio uh, and go listen to the episode we did where I was the guest, Tables Return. It's not as good. I'm not as smart. But no. you should still go bolster it. Just download. You don't have to listen to it. Just download it at least, <laughs> so that they get the yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, metric, man. Yeah, exactly. right. Get the metric. Yeah, and then, it's episode thirty-eight. Episode thirty-eight. Boldly going crossover. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I think you know what's funny. I got a. I think we're no, we're not at thirty-eight, but we're in the thirties. We're close. It's almost yeah. the exact same number. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being on. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. But he's dead! <laughs> <laughs>